Welcome to the Kingstonist Podcast, a daily look at news, sports, and all things Kingston. Brought to you by Taylor Audubon. Well, welcome uh, to the Kingston's podcast with uh, with Mayor Brian Patterson. Welcome uh, to Venture Club. Welcome to the Kingston's studio, well, <laughs> as small you. as it is. And, uh, uh, it's, it's it's great to have you here. It's fantastic to be here. I think you got a wonderful space here. And uh, and I was just uh, talking when I came in. I hadn't actually been into the Venture Club in quite a few months, and to see it up and running and. Uh, uh, what an exciting space! Really, the workplace it, of the future, and I think you guys are perfectly uh, well. And I'm I'm the, I'm the senior citizen here, and um, so <laughs> it, it, the vibe here is unbelievable. The energy is unreal, and there's so many like different companies and and uh, and, p- and people getting to know each other. So it's yeah. it's the new way of business where, yeah. I, you know, we've got three or four companies in here, and everybody's becoming friends. And well, you're and, full. I yeah, and this place is full. Yes. And so I know there's plans already to make a a new venture club. And so yeah. I mean, I just see this kind of kind of taken off. I mean, we talk about like. What are the things that we need in our city to to make us a frontline leading community in the in the 21st century? And this is exactly the sort of space, right? That just it just oozes that creativity. Mm-hmm. It uh, really kind of appeals to that millennial generation. So does it ever? Think, but we're not yeah, here to talk about to us. We're here to hey, talk about the city. And, I understand. And and, and uh, city councils, you know, four months old. How yeah. are things? How are they? How are the how are the new guys settling you in? You know what? It's it's good. You know, it's amazing how I think initially. Uh, when I knew that nine out of 13 of us were returning, I mm-hmm. thought that, you know, maybe it would just be kind of just more of the same, but actually just those four fresh new faces have really uh, created new energy and really a kind of a, a new vibe and and really a, a new dynamic around the table. And so even though I've been mayor for, uh, for four years, I kind of had to relearn the job I felt at really? times. Yeah. Just because, you know, the council's different and you really have to, you have to build that relationship and you also have to help guide the group so that we can work together well as a team. Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, my, the, the thing that I was most proud of is how the last council worked well together, even though we have very different opinions yes. and very different ideas. And so it was really, really important to me that we could preserve that, but I realized it was going to be different. So even though I think we're, we're off to a good start we're, we are working well together, but it's a different feel, it's a different vibe. But I think that that's, uh, I think that's a good thing. Well, you brought up the word team. You said the word team. Are there, are there, because people have completely different political views, yeah. but can you do uh team building exercises to, to, yeah. for a council? Yeah, actually. Um, we we had uh, a, a very unique set of meetings about a month ago. It was our strategic planning sessions, and I mean, normally if you if you see us working in city council, we're in the council chambers. It's a very very formal, uh, very rigid setting, and so there's all these procedural bylaws, and you know, it it really in some ways kind of makes it more adversarial. And so we had these these meetings set up, and we were offsite. Uh, we were at a, in a classroom over at Queen's University, and the dynamic was totally different really? because there weren't the same formalities. We agreed that we would go on first name basis, you know, and we had a facilitator there, and it, it allowed for just kind of a collaboration, discussion, sharing ideas back and forth, and that's the kind of team building that I think really helps us because we're really laying out the the track for the next four years. Because you 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 spend a ton of time together, so it's, yeah, yeah, and and actually that's important. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, the the number one rule to being able to work well as a council is that you have to be able to have a forceful debate to disagree sometimes fervently 
And then after the vote's taken to be able to basically sure. just, yeah. you know, water off a duck's back, you know what, next issue, let's come together and, you know, let's, uh, let's reset and not hold a grudge or not be angry about why did you vote that way on that issue that came to council, you know, three months ago, but just be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's move on. Well, in the sports world, great coaching staffs can do that. They can argue vehemently. They can get crazy and then sit down and have dinner or, or even, no. you know, yeah. Yeah, you need that. I think yeah. that uh, one of the things that I've learned is that when everyone agrees, that's not always a good thing because sometimes you need you need sure. those counter viewpoints to kind of challenge and really force you to think through your opinion and you know force you to say like, okay, if I'm right, I should be able to argue why I'm I'm right. So at the end of the day, I think that having that diversity of views is actually a good thing for us. There's a lot of talk about smart growth in Kingston. Yeah. Uh, what is smart growth? <laughs> I mean, <what's laughs> a great, yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, smart growth. So, I mean, it's definitely, on, on the one hand, it's it's embracing the growth that we are experiencing as a community. And, and uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I don't know if you caught this, but Statistics Canada came out with this release and said that Kingston was the seventh fastest growing city in Canada in 2018. I mean, that's, that's amazing to me. It just shows that, you know, we're really hitting the radar. There's so many great things happening in our community. People want to move here. There's jobs and companies that are coming here. Um, so all of that is great. At the same time, we want to make sure that we embrace that growth in the right way. And so when it comes to smart growth, it means not only are we, are we attracting companies, not only are we attracting people, but we're building the right housing for people so that we can preserve that affordability in our housing. Uh, and it means that we're growing in the right way, that we're not we're not sprawling in such a way that uh, is not that the healthiest environmentally, or or uh, uh, but really creating that that right infill and and then investing in green spaces so it makes sense environmentally and harnessing the beauty of our waterfront. So it's really really, in some ways, growth that enhances quality of life for everybody that's already here in our community. And I think if we can do that, um, then I think that people are supportive of that. People love smart growth. Chris Valala is uh, monitoring the uh, Facebook page yeah. and giving us uh, questions, and I can't see a thing. So um, here's a question from, from one of our viewers. Why can't we park in the street when it's five degrees outside in the winter, <laughs> even when there's no snow? <laughs> that, that is a great question. So I will tell you, that's probably a question that I've gotten probably, I'm going to say 50 or hundred times over the last, well, I've been on council probably for a little over eight years. I bet you potholes are one too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there are those reoccurring themes. And, and you know what? I think, I think it's a great point. And to be honest, it's one of those things that uh, we are looking at because we know that different communities manage this a little bit differently. So Kingston kind of has this, you know, absolute prohibition on parking overnight on the street from December 1st to I think it's the end of March. Um, we know that some communities, what they'll do is they'll say you can park on the street, but if there's a certain amount of snowfall in the forecast, then you have to move your car off the street or else you can get Yes. So my feeling is that I think that there is some room to give there. I think that it does make sense. And particularly if we're talking about climate change and maybe we're, if we're not getting as much snow, maybe that's something that we can revisit. Um, at the same time, we want to make sure we come up with a system that works for our snow plows, because if we don't have a system that works well for the snow plows, mm. then we'll get more complaints on people that saying that the roads aren't clean. Because weather can change so quickly, especially when you're at the end of a lake, one of the great lakes. Yeah. yeah. My, my feeling. You know, and I'm just I'm just talking off the cuff here. My feeling is that we could probably get to a point where we could embrace some kind of technological solution. 
So maybe there's some kind of compromise where, you know, people are so wired in these days that there's a way that we could just kind of pump something out and say, okay, no on-street parking, you know, you know, at this time because there's a snowstorm coming. Um, but of course, also recognize the fact that not, not everybody still has tech access to that sure. technology. Yes. So I think that, that's exactly. where we'd have to be careful. Yeah. Maybe we could pilot something. Um, so I'm, I, I know that's a long answer to your question, <laughs> no, but I, I'd say I'm open-minded and I think okay. that we really should explore it and see what we can do, uh, keeping in mind all those other factors. Um, uh, do you, do you have, uh, do you have plans to arrange community cleanups? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Do you know, do you know how often I get people approaching me and asking me, you know, what, what can we do to, to, to help? Cause it's people have such pride in this community. That's, mm -hmm. That is far and away the number one thing that I get. The number one vibe everywhere I go in the city is people are so proud of our community. And so they just want to help or they don't, they want to get involved, but sometimes they don't always know how. Sometimes it's a, uh, sometimes it's a, it's a community group. Sometimes it's a neighborhood group. People are always approaching me and asking me what, what can we do to to make the, uh, make the city more beautiful. What can we do to make it uh, to, to contribute in some positive way? And I think that actually a community cleanup is actually a really cool idea. Now we've actually got this week we're launching the um, pitch in Kingston, which is a great way so yes. people can kind of sign up and they can go and they can you know uh, clean up a, a stretch in their neighborhood or. A, side street, where, wherever they, wherever they are. And I think it's great to see how many people are engaged with that. But I think that there are opportunities to be able to, to push that forward. And so that's one of the things that we are talking about. And focus on, on specific neighborhoods and get, because yeah. I know cor corporately people get involved, but uh, if we had neighborhoods, yeah, more neighborhood uh, associations involved. It, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think about, um, you know, obviously, you know, one of the issues that we've grappled with as a city is the, um, you know, street parties, you know, say like in the average district and sometimes, you know, they can be kind of trashed afterwards. And one of the things that inspires me is like the number of volunteers that suddenly come exactly. out of the woodwork and say, hey, you know, we're going to come, we're going to help clean this up so it uh, it looks good. And, and, and people don't have to do that. You know, the very fact that they take pride in the community and say, hey, we want to come in and make a difference. That's really cool. Um, how different uh, do you find working with the PC government compared to the liberal <laughs> government? <laughs> <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's different. I, I, I will say, you know, I get this question a lot right now. It's still, it's still early days. And even after the first provincial budget that we saw uh, a few weeks ago, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Like people have asked me like, okay, what's your reaction to the provincial budget? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know what? I think we still kind of need to, to see. It's really a matter of like the devils and the details there. And so I can see things that in some ways could actually be real wins for our community and maybe opportunities um, that we'll have that we wouldn't have had with the previous government. And then maybe some of the things that maybe are a little bit more concerning for us. And so we're kind of watching them closely. And so uh, the number one, the number one thing for us is communication. And so I'm really trying to, to, to reach out, get in front of, of uh, ministers, get in front of people from the government, just talk about the vision we have here, hear from them about where they're taking the province, say, okay, are there, is there common ground? Are there areas where we can work together and we can make progress? And if there's areas where we disagree, then let's talk about those, right? And again, just keep that that two-way uh, dialogue open as much as possible. Does the provincial government or the feds, do they have somebody that liaises with, with municipalities? Uh, Sort of a, uh, do you have a back channel or? As, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. They you know, you, you need everything. Down south? You, you need everything. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's the formal delegation where it's myself and and a few other city staff meeting in the minister's office with sure. minister and their staff. 
sometimes it is that back is channel somebody you conversation. Just pick up and, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's somebody you know. We we have a manager of government relations that works out of my office, and sometimes it's just a matter of working through those back channels to try and understand you know what the thinking is, or if there's any concerns or plans that are going in the background, so it can be ready, so we can be prepared. And so, so again, I think that that's. But I'll tell you this. We have to initiate it. We can never sit back and wait for the province and the federal government to reach out to us. Sure. It's always a matter of us reaching out to them. And I and I think, and I give this example of the third crossing. Man, oh man, the number of doors that we knocked on in Queen's Park, the number of times we were up on Parliament Hill talking, uh, connecting with anybody that would listen, you know, to, to hear the case and why this project was important to us. And, and you know what? We're, we were so happy that that funding came, but it was a lot of work. And not just for myself, but there were so many other well, people behind the scenes that were... I was a preschooler and there hard. was talk of the third <laughs> crossing. And that was, what, 15 years ago. I mean, I, that's been a long time coming. But um, we... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question. And I, this is one when I said, I was asking people, what do I ask the mayor? Uh, here it is, Brian. Uh, what, what will, when will pothole work be uh, hey, started? I knew Especially around Frontenac Mall. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I, I can tell you this. I'm the first one to understand and recognize <laughs> that there's a lot of work to do now that construction season is, is underway. And you know what? I think that when we, you know, we were talking about climate earlier, yes. right? And how like maybe we need to look at changes to on-street parking. Honestly, I think with what's happening to the climate right now, it's it's playing havoc with our roads. Like you think about this past winter, the number of times Freeze the throw. temperatures yeah. above and then below and yeah. then above and you know, and and all of our road engineers will tell us it's the absolute worst recipe for roads because that's what causes the asphalt to expand and contract, and then that's how you get the cracking and the bottles. So I mean, I think that this is one of the things that we're preparing for. Like we talk about resiliency. I think this is one of the things is just having this in our budget, obviously experimenting with, you know, everything that we can do with the, the mixture of the asphalt, ways that we can try to preserve the longevity of roads. And ultimately at the end of the day, if we don't have to repair them as often, that would be ideal. But at the same time, knowing that that's one of the things that we have to deal with, um, obviously we're going to be full out and, uh, council's made it a priority to, uh, to repair and maintain roads as much as we can. Well, so. as I said, it's the number one thing that people brought up to me when I said I was going to be speaking with you. So. <laughs> well, just um, driving, you know, just driving down to city hall today, you know what, I'm the first one to, uh, to recognize we've got lots of work to do. So. Here's actually, here's a great question. Uh, well, they're all great questions, but, yeah. but, uh, can you talk about the uh, lack of accessible uh, parking near the hospitals? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, parking is one of those issues that I hear about a lot. Mm. And uh, certainly, certainly in the downtown, certainly by the hospital as well. Accessible parking, absolutely. I mean, there's there's more to be done. There's more to be done on that. And so uh, this is, this is going to be an ongoing project for us. And I know talking about the hospital, I know that they have, you know, plans to, to, to redevelop and to expand. And so I think that that's a great opportunity to talk about. Are there opportunities to expand or change some of the parking options that are that are around there? So, I mean, and par parking can be a bit of a boogeyman too in Kingston. I recall uh, when the LVEC was being built, and then they came to the <laughs> K Rock Center, and then now the Leon Center. Yeah, that was that was the boogeyman. Where's anybody going to park? It's going to be it's going to be park again. <laughs> you know what? It's it's funny. Um, it's one of those issues that we absolutely have to work on, and I think it's there's no silver bullet to it. I will say this, and I and I tell people this often. I think that the days of like surface parking lots in the downtown are are over. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that's just not the best use of land. And so, I'm a big proponent of 
multi-level parking garages that you could have in a few different locations. And then it allows you to redevelop some of the other properties that are in and around sure. the, the downtown. And, and ultimately looking for those creative options, make, make them look attractive, make them blend into the, into the downtown. Mm -hmm. I often think when I walk between the Leon Center and City Hall, and there's just that, that stretch where it's just these surfers gravel parking <laughs> lots. I'm like, oh, you know, we could do so much more with the, the property that we have there. But at the same time, you, you do need parking. And, and, and ultimately, I'm, I'm a big fan of transit. I'm a big fan of active modes of transportation. But the fact is, there's, there's still lots of people that uh, they, they, need, uh, they need parking for, for their cars. Most visitors to Kingston come by car. Um, so ultimately, we want to make sure we preserve parking uh, in the downtown, by the hospital, and those other key places as well. Uh, what do you think uh, Kingston's greatest uh, untapped resource is? How can we take greater advantage uh, of it in the future? Wow. Man, these are great questions. Yeah, they are. They're all great oh, questions. Smokes. I think that our, our greatest untapped resource is our people. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> honestly, just took the words right out of my mouth. Honestly, it, and, and, and I mean it when I say that because I there's not a day that goes by where I don't meet somebody. They're an entrepreneur. They've moved from another community and they've got these great ideas, you know, because sometimes they see our community with a different lens because mm -hmm. they've just moved here. People that have these passions, sometimes it's a passion for the environment. Some, sometimes it's, I'll meet like this, this artist who, you know, is, is just bringing in, you know, technology and, 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 and a whole new way of doing art that I'd never seen before. Like it's, it's amazing how, how many creative talented and ambitious people that we have in our community. And so I think that that's why I'm so driven and maybe this is the economist in me to, to, to create, make sure we're creating the kind of employment opportunities and, and the, that entrepreneurial spirit and atmosphere here in Kingston. So these creative, talented people can put those talents and creativity to use here in Kingston and not have to go, not feel like they have to leave and go to some other you know, larger urban center to be able to find those opportunities. I think that that's, that's what keeps me up at night is how do we, how do we retain those talent? How do we attract those people so that we can put Kingston on the map? So definitely our people. Uh, would you ever consider making Princess Street a pedestrian only street and, um, or do it below a certain road? I get, uh, so uh, this, this is what I would say. I actually think there are opportunities to pedestrianize parts of the downtown in ways that are beyond what we have right now. I think that one of the pieces behind the third crossing was to take some of the commuter traffic out of the downtown. Mm -hmm. So people that are just kind of passing through the downtown, we want, we want people to be able to get in and out of the downtown. So find parking so they can, you know, shop. And so they can, they can go to restaurants or just hang out downtown, but take some of the commuter traffic away. And if you do that, it actually, I think, creates opportunities to do some pretty exciting stuff with pedestrianization. Princess Street is one option. One of the one of the areas that we're looking at quite seriously is the stretch of Ontario Street in front of City Hall. Yeah. Now we know that that's. I mean, it's already closed for different events throughout the the year, but I think that there's a chance to do more there. Ultimately, I think that obviously once the third crossing is up and going, we'll have a better idea of what we can manage flow wise. But I think that. You know, maybe it's on on weekends. Maybe it's every other weekend. Maybe it's on low weekends. And basically, oh, oh. just starting to move towards that that space. It's such a beautiful space, right in City, City Hall. Yeah. And and how do we 
how do we prioritize pedestrians, right? Maybe in a way more than we've had in the past. So yeah, I think there's great opportunities there. Uh, can you speak about the efforts uh, coming from City Hall to develop Kingston's job market? Yeah, absolutely. To develop Kingston's job market. So, I mean, I think we have, one of the great things about Kingston is that we can bring a bunch of a bunch of companies and institutions and the city all together at the same table and, and brainstorm exciting ways to be able to, uh, to develop our job market. So, so one of the things, one of the things I'll give you an example that we, uh, that we know is an issue in Kingston is, is spousal employment. So that's where, where one person, you know, is, is coming in to take a job. Um, but they have a, have a spouse who spouse who has, you know, great talents and abilities and, and has a career in something else. But because Kingston is a smaller community, sometimes it's harder for them to, to find a job. So one of the things that we've talked about is how we bring everybody to the same table and then we can compare notes. And so maybe somebody from one company is just like, I'm hiring this, this engineer, but, um, you know, but they have a spouse who's trained in medicine. And then we could have like the hospitals or like a, a long-term care home or, or somebody else in that field just to be like, Hey, well, we've got an opening over here. And so we're looking for somebody that has those talents abilities and start to create those kind of matches, right? That's something that a larger urban center could never do. But those are what that's one example of one of the things we're working on here in Kingston. Um, one of the other things we're doing is 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 using technology to to reach out to people uh, in large urban centers like the Toronto area to say, like, we have the same job that you're doing right now. You could be doing in Kingston and not have to commute an hour and a half both directions. And be able to have a get a home that is far more affordable than what you're having to face in the GTA, right? So those are the kinds of things we're talking about. Is again, how do you develop the the workforce, and then how do you create those those job opportunities? Again, it comes down to uh, attracting firms and and growing the companies you already have. But here's here's a, an inter very interesting question. I live in the old township, uh, pay the same taxes as everybody else. Uh, we uh, have no buses, no streetlights, or sewers, sidewalks. Uh, what what is being done about this? Hmm. Well, I'd like to know a little bit more detail about yeah. exactly where where in the West End uh, that would be. But now I'm assuming that's the West End. It could be could be Pittsburgh Township. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, definitely this is this is what else. I think that uh, definitely when it comes. Westbrook. <laughs> Westbrook, thank you. <laughs> so I know that one of the things that we we are working on with Westbrook is is making it more uh, more pedestrian friendly. So we actually had a petition that was presented at city uh, city uh, council a couple of weeks ago uh, about getting some more sidewalks in there because it's a busy Westwood Road's really busy. Is it ever? So it's really important, I think, for, for school kids out there waiting for the bus or for for people to be, uh, you know, more mobile. And then ultimately for transit, you know. So how do we think about how do we how do we expand that service? Now transit's really expensive. So you need you need to think carefully about how and where you're going to expand it. But are there ways that we can we can put in sidewalk and trails to kind of get people an easy walk towards a transit stop that then they can take transit from there? Um, when it comes to other infrastructure upgrades, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, we never want anybody to feel that they are a second class citizen yeah. to anybody else, right? And this is, you know, it's been twenty years since amalgamation. And I know I, I wasn't even in Kingston when that happened, but I know that you took three very different municipalities and you put them all together. And my big thing is how do we make sure we're one city? So everybody feels whether you're in the East end, right? The West end, the downtown, the, the North end, the rural area, right? That you feel right. That you're getting the, the same value and that you matter as much as 
everybody else, even though those are very different communities and they have different needs and they have different priorities. So, you know, there's always going to be more work to be done on that. But I, but I agree. I, I think that there's definitely some things we can do, not only in Westbrook, but uh, throughout the town. Sure. Uh, one little uh, something we've done about red light running and speeding um, are, are Kingston police understaffed? Wow, that's a great question. Well, I'm on the police services board. So this is something we talk about regularly. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you, you, we're trying to balance it out. On the one hand, you want to make sure that you've got a you've got a safe community. You have the the right number of officers that are that are out there. At the same time, uh, trying to keep costs under control because policing is expensive. And uh, you know, we always hear at budget time, you know, keep keep the property tax increase as low as you can, keep it to inflation or, or lower. So you're always you're always having to face those those challenges and those choices. So one of the things that I think is key is is looking at creative ways that you can address these issues and find efficiencies at the same time. And we talk a lot at the Police Services Board about technology. So for example, one of the issues that's going to come to council later this year, red light cameras. That's a way that you could use technology mm -hmm. to maybe hit you know, street safety, you know, people running red lights, where you can save your officers to maybe handle the, the calls that are of greater severity. Obviously, we want to make sure that uh, that officers are going to the priority calls, um, but at the same time, being able to nab red light renters at the same time, right? So those are the kind of discussions sure. and debates we're going to have to have. Uh, I know that the province is also has in the past looked at uh, options for photo radar. That's something we'll look at as well, maybe in school zones or other other discussions. But again, it's an example where technology, you can get the same effect, but it's it's a much lower cost. So maybe that's something we should look at. We have time for a couple more questions because I promised I'd get you out of here before puck drops. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, will you save the uh, spray painting artwork on the stone wall? At the, at the uh, sorry, will you will you save the spray painting artwork on the stone wall at Doug Fleur Park? Hmm. So yeah. uh, the Wellington Street yeah, extension. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. So, so, so that that stretch uh, of of wall in Doug Fleur Park, we've actually just implemented a pilot project to make it a legal graffiti wall, which basically means that people can can go and they can display display their art. So, on on the one hand, we're certainly not going to to uh, to prevent that. But at the same time, we also want to encourage new work. So I think that one of the things we're talking about is a way that, you know, you can, you can display some, some street art, but then allow somebody else to be able to come at a later date and be able to put something new up there. So that is, that is definitely something we're looking at. So we're, we know other communities have done this. So we're kind of trying to learn from them and say like, what's the best way to do that. But ultimately, um, have that street art there to make sure that there's no graffiti anywhere else in the city. Well, we have four minutes left. Uh, okay. One more. Um, are there uh, similar size cities that uh, you look to as um, uh, innovators or role models for issues that, that, that you face? Are there other yeah. cities similar to Kingston that you? Yeah, abs absolutely. In fact, one of the, um, uh, one of the groups that I'm a part of is, uh, is, is a group of mayors from the biggest cities in Ontario. So, so through that group, I've gotten to be good friends with the, the mayor of Guelph, the mayor of Waterloo, the mayor of St. Catharines. Um, there's a few others that I could mention there. Uh, obviously, I've gone to know the new mayor of Peterborough and, uh, you know, know the, and, and larger centers sure. as well. And we're always, always comparing notes because you would be amazed just how many issues that we face 
that every other community is grappling with at exactly the same time. Like it's, it's amazing to kind of just get together and we can talk for hours because we can all identify with everybody else's challenge yeah. and everybody else's opportunity <laughs> as well. So, so there's never, never a time that uh, I ever sit in my office and be like, Kingston is the first city ever to grapple with this. You always think about, okay, who else has grappled with this? And so you'll call them up and have a good conversation. Well, here's our last question. Actually, a question that I thought would come up much earlier. Yeah. Um, are you working on affordable housing? Uh, the, the, the observation from, from this question is uh, mostly houses and condos going up in Kingston. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we have made housing affordability one of our top priorities over the next four years. And so we're going to be looking at all kinds of creative options to build all kinds of different housing and definitely affordable housing. So housing that's geared to uh, to people of lower incomes, creative ways and strategies that we can unlock more funding from the federal government to be able to, to build more units uh, and other creative partnerships, how we can work with um, with the development community to encourage, you know, when new housing is built, you know, that uh, how do we how do we encourage the number of affordable housing units in that? So there's lots of exciting, great work, I think, that we can do there. Some great tools that I know that the uh, the task force on housing is working on this year. And uh, definitely, I mean, this is this is something that is absolutely at the top of top of my radar. And uh, we're we're definitely going to make progress on it. Well, Mayor Patterson, this has been fun. And I hope we get to do this many more times because this is one of these discussions that could go on all night. But yeah. I think we're going to lose our audience in a few minutes here. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know, well, Canadians, we uh, have our priorities. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to hop in my car and get home too because I'll be cheering on the Leafs tonight. But uh, listen, thanks, Tim, for, for having me. This my is, pleasure. This has been fun. And yeah, looking forward to doing it yeah. again as well. We'll do it again. Thank Absolutely. you, Brad. Thank you. Great news, folks. Due to overwhelming demand, Truck Month has been extended at Taylor Auto Mall. With 0% financing available on all new 2019 Chev Silverado and GMC Sierra, as well as SUVs such as Tahoe, Yukon, Buick Encore Envision and Enclave, and GMC Acadia, now is the time to come in and check out our incredible selection. And always remember, whether you live 15, 30, or 45 minutes away, at Taylor Auto Mall, we will not be undersold by anybody on any maker model, I guarantee it.